This morning, Simon Phoenix escaped from this cryo facility. We've had 11 murder-death kills so far. You see, we have become a society of peace, loving, and, and understanding, and we are, quite frankly, not equipped to deal with this situation. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I am Greg, and it's a pleasure to be with you again. It's Friday night here in Sydney. We're looking at a movie. (laughs) We're looking at a film by the name of Demolition Man. Demolition Man. 1993. We did 1993 recently, remember the old Last Action Hero? Ah, Thomas Aquinas. That's not a knife. <laughs> knife. Knife. So in Lap Pack Movie News, this week we got to hear um, Arnold Schwarzenegger do an Australian accent. This is not a knife, but this is a knife. Brilliant stuff. Not the knife. <laughs> 1993. Hell of a year, or was it? Oh, was it? It was a pretty good year. It wasn't bad. Jurassic Park, Mrs. Doubtfire, The Fugitive, Schindler's List. Yeah. This year doesn't make me roll over and say, wow. Yeah. I can vouch for that. He's not rolling over. You know. Um, 93, the truth is out there was, was what people were saying in the streets. Ah, the old Mulder and Scully. Yeah. They were on top of their jam. Uh, we lost Brandon Lee and River Phoenix that year. Fuck, same year. Same year. That was the 2017 of 1993. Big time. <laughs> do you remember what TV shows were big? What do you reckon? 1993, maybe some Full House, some, uh, did Seinfeld start? Seinfeld was on. Maybe like season three or something. Home Improvement one. was pumping. We're still in the family sitcom era, weren't we? Yeah, Roseanne. Oh, Roseanne's a good show, man. What about what about Grace Under Fire? I watched that. What was Grace Under Fire? She was it was a bit of a bogany family. She was a stand-up comedian. This, this was the era where all these stand-up comedians are getting these shows. I don't remember it. Can you tell me what songs were big? Ninety-three, the Thong song. Nah, that's t- like that was, eight that, years. That off. was like yeah, that was quite a bit later. I don't know, yeah. Whitney Houston, Bodyguard, Bodyguard no. song. I'll yep. always love you. Freak me, silk was a big one. I remember I was Last in year. <laughs> so that was ninety three. I was in year six or something, and I just remember that song playing at our school dance from the par- teachers and parents. Really, were, parents had to go to year six dance, and I was like, what, "What would our parents have been thinking listening to the lyrics of that song?" Yeah. I want to make you soaking wet. Like when our parents grew up, the Beatles were controversial. True. Like they're listening to. I thought soaking wet because you're hot. Yeah. That's not what he meant, as it turns out. Again, people underappreciate the the writing ability of, what was the band name? Silk. Silk. They call it double coating, you see. (laughs) See, the kids didn't Mm -hmm. know that the, the moisture they were referring to was from the vaginal uh, region. They thought it was maybe temperature based yeah, or it was, um, it was heat. Maybe they were at a water park. These are the things. It was a sunny that day. A at smart the beach. postmodern writer packs mm, into their art. Correct. And I think by understanding their audience. Yes, I think we we need to we need to acknowledge genius where it is. Mm-hmm. Silk, you're welcome. Thank you, Silk. Why don't I just quickly round out the top ten? We've got Jurassic Park. Mrs. Doubtfire, The Fugitive or Fuggative, depending on your ability to speak, Schindler's <laughs> List, The Firm, Indecent Proposal, Cliffhanger, Sleepless in Seattle, Philadelphia, The Pelican Brief. But you know what came in at number 12? Cliffhanger. <laughs> Demolition Man. Just missed out on the coveted top ten. Just missed out, but but he had one other in there, and it did very well. The budget, well, I couldn't get a confirmed budget number, somewhere between forty-five and seventy-five mil, which is a pretty big 
gap. Mm. Yeah. But it grossed half. It grossed 160 mil. So that's strong. Oh. That's strong. I mean, it's number 12 movie in the world of 1993. So it's got to be strong. It beat Last Action Hero. And we know how the Arnie and, and Sly uh, rivalry was at this point, don't we? This Ooh. is peak, although they were business partners. But this was peak. Look, it is, everything is good for our joint venture in Egypt or somewhere. Yeah. Uh, 93 is a, a big year for Planet Hollywood. They opened in London. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do we want to and hear now another? They're everywhere, <laughs> and, and, and the rest is history. They won the fast food wars. Maybe it shouldn't <laughs> have been Taco Bell in this film. It should have been Planet Hollywood. It did occur to me. Did it? Yeah, because I was trying to cram in a Planet Hollywood reference just because it was the same year. But before we get into that. Rotten Tomatoes score for this film was 62% from the critics' score. The audience, on the other hand, quite contentious, thought it was more of a 63. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Controversial. <laughs> <laughs> it's super close. It's basically the same number. And I can kind of see how this movie could be slightly polarizing, not so much from a critical point of view, but from an audience point of view. People going in expecting typical lap pack fare. That kind of thing. I'm sure we'll get into all of that. Um, you watched this as a kid, didn't you? Because I found out I didn't. I certainly did. I definitely right. watched it when it came out. Yeah. I'm just trying to think back. Year six. Was, I was in year six in this year. Uh, arguably peak Greg. Really? I feel the same way. I yeah. try and explain to Ara how cute I was as a kid and that I should have been a child star and retired now because it was all downhill from there. Yeah, I don't know what I looked like, but I was school captain and sports house captain. I was house captain. And I was school captain as well. But I was house captain. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> it was Pete Gregg. Yeah. Factually, not <laughs> arguably. Pete Gregg. Um, and, uh, yeah, look, I, it was arguably, we'll probably get into it, but it, arguably Pete Stallone. I had the same note. Well, I would say he perhaps reached a peak in Cliffhanger. Oh, perhaps a summit. Mm, as but aesthetically, the, this is that head. What is that weird Stallone head? That was peak Stallone in my brain. Like that's the Stallone that I before his head went weird. Yeah, it's all it's muscular, lumpy. Not so much like facelifty weirdness. Yeah, yeah. Puffy. and he's outrageously jacked. Yeah. But actually, that's pretty standard for him. That's pretty that. standard, but he would, every movie he got more and more so. Mm. I think maybe Rambo 3 might have been peak physicality. Was that after this? I think that was after this. But he also, I always noticed the, the, the this um, it sounds weird when I say it out loud, but you know how he tore a peck? Yeah, and he's got half the half peck. Trying to keep up with Arnie and um, Franco Colombo. Is that how it happened? Yeah, apparently he was doing bench press with. Um, the Mr. Universe's. Why would he think he could keep up with them? Yeah, and he fully tore his pectorals. That's why He's one strong, one titty looks a bit off. Yeah, he do, it's quite noticeable. It's very noticeable. I didn't. I knew it happened on the bench. I didn't know it was him trying to keep up with. I'm pretty sure I didn't make it up, but there's a chance I did. We should look into that at some point. No, 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 no. no. Let's we're just not, run with we're that. We're not here to run with facts. Yeah, that's all right. So, myself on the other hand, I this. Actually, it wasn't the movie I thought it was. What? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know what I thought it was, but I thought they were buddies. I was like, and they're <laughs> running through tunnels and stuff. That's what I had in my head. Daylight? Maybe. No, but no, 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 not, not daylight. But like, um, I don't know what I thought. And then I'll get into the rewatch later, but just a quick thing was I was expecting them to be enemies in the beginning, but then they've got to partner up. And I was like, oh, they're really uh, – Really get, pushing it. There's a yeah. long way to come back. Yeah. <laughs> and was it when he froze and then he kicked his frozen head off? Fatality. Yeah, it was, wasn't Fatality. it? Fatality. That was great. It was some sub-zero shit. Oh, okay. No, we're getting ahead of ourselves. I, I, let's, let's rewind. So I haven't seen this, as it turns out, and it was uh, very fun to watch. And you we'll never saw that. this? Yeah. No way, Jose. No, and it was not the movie I thought it was at all. Or what I thought it, even genre-wise, <laughs> it was great. Anyway, sorry, I'm really getting ahead of myself. Um, how about I get into a little origin story for this picture? Origin story. 
So this one is uh, the handiwork of Lapack super producer Joel Silver. Oh. So, so we've talked about Joel Silver in the past for a few movies. Now let's talk about him in the future. He's, he's, we'll talk about him in the future as well. We'll talk about him in the present also. So this is the diehard guy at a producer level, diehard guy. Predator guy. Not to be confused with John McTiernan. Mm, there you go. Exactly. Good man. Uh, lethal Weapon and also The Matrix. Periphery of Lap Pack, not really Lap Pack. And I have a little anecdote for you, Greg. Did I tell you about my trip to Italy recently? You did. Yeah, so I went to this little restaurant in, in Venice. Papiribupe. Yeah, that's what it was called um, as far as we know. Great fucking restaurant. They they cook this massive schnitzel. The vinegar, the vinegar, the, the pork. vinegar. Yeah, it's fucking great. Anyway, these tell guys. Them, tell our tell our listeners a little bit more about the vinegar pork. So schnitzel or cutlet, if you're in America, I guess they call it that. Um, like breaded pork chop, basically, but the size bigger than your head. Uh, it comes out all unsuspectingly, like a traditional kind of Milanese. Maybe you call it. I don't know what you call that. But the finishing move they do on this. The fatality, so to speak, is they they fry it a little further in a, in a frying pan in like a little shallow pool of vinegar, but it's delicious, crunchy, salty, <clears throat> vinegary. Any meanwhile, needless to say, this the meal didn't start off well because I, I put cheese on the pasta that I wasn't supposed to put cheese on. Like he came, the guy came past our table. He's like, "No, no, 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 not for you, only for her. Yours has the cheese already." And I was yeah. like, oh, "Fuck!" And um. I was like, I'm not off to a good start. I, I feel spiritually Italian, so I was really pissed off at myself. And um, I don't. I had a similar experience. Yeah, yeah. Please don't put uh, too much cheese. It's, uh, <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you can't put too much soy sauce on your sushi in Japan. It's that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah and that's fair. It's fair. Anyway, and, and there's a few pictures on the walls, but like not in a cheesy way. It's all very low key. This place seats about ten people. Um, Anyway, next time he comes back to us, he's like, "Are oh, you Australian?" And we're like, "Yeah." I don't know what accent I'm doing, by the way. And um, he's like, "Oh, I, I met Nicole Kidman a few times." And I was like, "What do you mean?" And then he's like, oh, "I'll tell you later." Then he comes out with this photo album as thick as the phone book, two phone books. I'm flicking through it. Every celebrity you can think of. Wow. The only celebrity I could literally think of that wasn't in it was Brad Pitt. Wow. Everyone else was literally in it. Anyway, turns out these two guys, so one's like a much older Italian man, doesn't speak really any English, and this guy was his younger, not really apprentice, but kind of the Lover. the the maybe the, the 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 customer facing guy. Lover. They Joel Silver flies them out to Hollywood every year to cater these massive events he does with all these celebrities. So every year, like even now, they fly these two people out for a week and they cater these amazing, amazing events and everyone's there and it's ah. fucking huge. It's amazing. And he's like <clears throat> telling us these I – mean, he didn't get super detailed about the stories but he's like, yeah, this person's really nice. and the, So fucking cool. So this is as close as I've gotten to Joel Silver at this point. I digress. So I probably gave had, that story too much pork. airtime but it was pretty cool. You ate pork with Joel Silver. I just thought it was really cool because I actually had no – Joel Silver is one of those people I didn't know existed before starting this podcast. Yeah. So it was quite cool to go to meet someone that knows him quite well and chatting about him. Yeah, it was kind of nice. Very nice. Anyway, the point is this guy is a lap pack fucking king. Like he he, he's doing the top tier ones. Like he's doing the, the yeah, the diehards, the lethal weapons. Like these are the, the top shelf polished lap pack. Not that they're better or worse necessarily, but this isn't blood sport. Level. A, yeah, yeah a, this is Hollywood leagues. blockbuster, A list territory. So, this is in the empire of Joel Silver. But when we talk about the craft, we'll talk about the writing of it. So, this picture was uh, one of those films we do. You know, we do a lot of movies where there's lots of rights and rewrites and lots of writers uh-huh. involved. This yeah. is definitely one of those. So, <laughs> and this is exactly like them. Yeah. So, there were at one point three white, three writers, three white writers. <laughs> yep. Actually, yes, three writers working on this simultaneously. Silver, <laughs> Joel Silver gave them money to fuck off, basically, and uh, put one guy in charge, Mr. Daniel Waters. He became the main man. And this was surprising to me because Daniel Waters is uh-huh. a fucking legend in a small, obscure way, sort of. So he had a really hot run 
He did. He wrote Heather's. Have you seen Heather's? Nope. It's good. You never like, heard of it. You never heard of it. Never heard of Heather's. Christian Slater and Winona Ryder. A couple. Go on. From Heather's. From Heather's. Heather's is like Mean Girls meets. Mean girls. No, it's much darker. It's like people die and shit. Oh. It's like Mean Girls. Heather's meets Jaws. Mean Girls meets Jaws. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so. Other things he's done. So he went straight from Heather's to writing Ford Fairlane. Fairlane. Oh, the Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Yeah, to Batman Returns. Do you reckon you could write a Batman movie? Uh, it wouldn't be at the top of my list, to be honest. Of If I was going to write a superhero movie, I wouldn't write Batman. I don't know if you would, but you could. I wouldn't make a great guy. one, but I reckon it would be the easiest one to write a decent one because so much of it you just absorbed in childhood and – you're like, yeah, I reckon I could swing a Batman story. Anyway, we're digressing, Greg. Not really. We're digressing. It's all important. You know what's interesting about um, Heather's? Greetings and salutations. What? That's how they talk in, in, in Demolition Man. I didn't notice. Are you serious? This is lost on you. Be well. Be well. Greetings and salutations is how they talk. Do you know where greetings and salutations came from? Heather's. Heather's. Christian Slater says it. Been saying that. <laughs> Hello, Jason Dean. Greetings and salutations. So I guess I, I guess greetings and salutations is a. Uh, I think it goes back a bit further than a nineties. No, <laughs> I know he didn't invent maybe. it, but I guess it's just a little a little signature flavor of the old Daniel Waters. But good on him; he's written like some fucking classics, low key classics. That's oh, the same guy. That's what I'm saying. Are you listening, Greg? I am, of course I am. <laughs> I got, we got taken so far off track with uh, your okay. So just just to recap, with my <laughs> could you write a Batman story? <laughs> All right, I'm going to give you a real recap of that because Greg diluted my very <sighs> potent point there, which is the guy that wrote this movie also wrote Heather's, also wrote Ford Fairlane, also wrote Batman Returns. Three fucking great movies, and one of uh, the way people greet each other in this movie is greetings and salutations. That line is from Heather's. That's what I'm trying to say. Thank you. Thank you, Tristan. I feel validated. Thank you, Greg. Two I appreciate characters said the same. And thing. you know what? Greg even pressed that one with his finger and not his toe. So it really meant something. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I feel like I'm getting on your nerves. No. <laughs> Uh, still on writing. There are claims of plagiarism by this Hungarian writer, Istvan Namir. Istvan. He says he's proven that 75% of the movie is identical to his book. I don't know the name of the book in front of me, uh, but he didn't want to take on the cost of getting involved in court with fucking Hollywood, which I can kind of understand. Not a Joel Silver joint. <laughs> yeah, but he says, like, that this is commonplace. He's like, Hollywood is take like, so much plagiarism because they can kind of thing. So that's interesting and wouldn't surprise me, man, like the whole Lion King, Kimber thing. Basically, like it is 100%. We haven't done Lion King yet, but when we do, Tristan's getting on his soapbox about 100% ripping off a Japanese anime. <laughs> it's called Kimber the White Lion and his dad, the king of the jungle, gets run over by animals. That bad guy's scar. It's exactly the same movie. Anyway, so it doesn't surprise – it wouldn't surprise me – Especially wow. at that point in Hollywood, probably 94 or something, right, uh, Lion King? Who knows? But around the same era where they could yep. probably get away with this shit. Now you could Before the internet. Before the old internet. Or at least before, before, before fast Tim, internet. Tim Berners-Lee. Yeah, bef- before old Tim Berners-Lee. I don't know, one of them. I get confused. Yeah. Um, how about some precasties? Precasties. Have you heard of some of these? Yes. So there were conversations, Greg. With two lap pack icons. Who we've covered. Yes, Mr. Our Lord and Lord Savior. and Deity. Yep. And overruling God. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yep. And his mortal enemy. Less of a friend of the show. But still a friend of the show, but less so, yeah. Stephen Seagull. Stephen, Stephen the Seagull. And, uh, well, different sources say different things. One source said they were both in the running to play John Spartan and they both said no. Other sources say 
there were for the two lead roles, one to be the bad guy, one to be the good guy, and neither wanted to be the bad guy. Mm. Which would have been really cool to see them head to head on screen because they hate each other. Van Damme yeah. always does like the sly. No, I'm really respectful of him, but I think he's fat. Yeah. <laughs> you know those kind of ones. Could totally join our movies if he's he like, lost some weight. Yeah, no, no, I'm not joke because you know he's a bitty. Or, you know he needs to move. Whereas uh, <laughs> Seagal's just like, well, can I laugh in your face? Can I laugh in your can face? Can I laugh in your face? So that would have been cool. And can you imagine the encounters? That the, would have been great. What are the snacks on set? But I do think the aesthetic of this movie would have suited a Jean Claude Van Damme, John Spartan. You can see that work quite well. Uh, I kind of like that. It's kind of cool. <clears throat> Was there also a Jackie Chan scenario in this? So Jackie Chan as Mr. Phoenix was on the cards and that was Stallone's recommendation apparently. But what Jackie Chan says is that in Chinese culture, the, they don't like it when you switch from good guy to bad guy. Sounds like he didn't want to be a bad guy and he was blaming. He's like, no, nah, yeah, it's a Chinese thing. Oh, and I don't know. I, well, my interpretation of that was he just said Chinese audiences don't, like when a when the hero they don't like the heroes being villains in other movies. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. You put it more eloquently, but isn't that acting? He is. Yeah, but if you know, if you're a good guy and then you get a bad guy and that ruins your box office, it doesn't make commercial sense for you. It's as an interesting a brand. nuance, and I guess I guess neither Van Damme or Cigar wanted the same to. Thing. It's the same thing. I guess we just. Framed it up slightly. He probably was just more honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, the irony of that is, both of those guys went on to play bad guys. Not, 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 um, not Jackie Chan, but Seagal and Jean Claude Van Damme. Jean Claude Van Damme in Expendables Two, and I think maybe in some Universal Soldier sequels. And um, really, and Seagal in Machete Two. Yeah, yeah. So they all end up being a bad guy. So you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Batman reference. See, I can write Batman, Greg. Off the dome. The dome. All right, there's another precast in here. Uh, We talked about this one before, and it's a little hint for you. The old League of Their Own. Laurie Petty was originally cast as Huxley. She was on set. They shot a couple days, and then they cited creative differences, and they moved along. Yeah, old um, feisty Laurie. They they brought in a scarcely known unknown, Miss Sandra Correct. Bullock. She- Sandy Bullock, as her mates call her, I assume. Just quickly to round this out, let's talk about the director. This is pretty uh, low in the pecking order in terms of the, the the origin story of this movie, but and to be honest, also in the in the sequence of events in which I researched this movie, but it was an interesting final piece of the puzzle. Because this guy is very interesting, Mr. Marco Brambilla, and he is actually a fucking amazing artist. Yeah, so he's a collage and video artist. Oh, collage. Yeah, collage. It's been described as a critique and masterpiece of visual overload. But if he's, this is one of those artists where it's like, I don't know what you're talking about, Tristan. You fucking do, because this is the guy that made the video clip for Kanye West's Power. Eh, uh, so that whole aesthetic of that video clip, that's like his jam. And I, I don't think this yeah, movie looks exactly – oh, you haven't seen that? Oh, it's really cool. I probably have. It's really – it looks like a painting. I haven't watched a film clip since Rage. <laughs> Rage is still on. <laughs> yeah. Rage. The that video clip is really cool. It looks like a painting that's sort of moving. You would like it a lot. Uh, we'll put it on Instagram. So that's the movie. That's the path to getting made as, as far as we can tell. This is one of those ones where lots of ingredients out there, hard to stitch them all together into one cohesive narrative, but Done those good. are the pieces. Those are the pieces. The movie got made. The thing happened. Stallone went and opened Planet Hollywood in London. Bit of a superstar vehicle. A bit of a superstar vehicle. A bit of a, well, we'll get into impressions soon, but how about we play the trailer? Yeah. 
at the end of a century, ravaged by violence, a society of perfect order will arise. Criminals will be frozen and reprogrammed in cryogenic prisons. The prisoners are ice cubes. Their criminal instincts are being reprogrammed as they sleep. Aggression and deviant behavior will be totally eliminated. He's a criminal the likes of which you have never seen. In a bad time, he was the worst. I'm gonna love running this place. But in the year 2032... This morning, Simon Phoenix escaped from this cryo-facility. We are, quite frankly, not equipped to deal with the situation. Amidst a world of peace and calm... We're police officers. We're not trained for this kind of violence. How was the fiendish Simon Phoenix apprehended back in the 20th? In the end, it took just one man. John Spartan. You mean the demolition man? The conditions of your parole are full reinstatement into the SAPD and immediate assignment to the apprehension of Simon Phoenix. Two mortal enemies. Just dropped in to say hi. From another time. Pass is over, John. Time for something new and improved. Oh, hell. Will be unleashed on a future that isn't big enough for the both of them. Sylvester Stallone. Wesley Snipes. Demolition Man. Oh, I mean that that uh, that old trailer gave a bit a bit of a snapshot into the, what this movie's all about. Do you, but do you want to give the listeners at home for those who haven't mm. seen it or those who haven't seen it in a while? What's it all about? Yeah. Um, look. In its simplest form, this is a classic fish-out-of-water tale mm. uh, where the human spirit is forced to adapt into a metamorphosis. Into a metamorphosis and metamorphosis? Yeah, because I think that's the active. Mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> of, of adapting. Yeah. It's a tale of blind ambition, of myopic tyranny, mm. where the audience is asked the question, in a quest for perfection, what sacrifices are we willing to make? Mm. Poignant. Poignant. But most of all, it's a tale of Sly. Yes. Okay, now we're talking. And Snipes. Ooh. And Sandra. Mm. There's a new shepherd in town. That's right. This is a, f- a film made in 1993, set in the future of 1996. Right? For a little bit. And then in the future of 2032. For a lot. For most of the film. Yeah. 93, set in the future, 96. And mm. Le Mundo Esta on Fuego. What's that? That is Spanish for uh. The World is on Fire. Ah. Uh. But maybe it was just LA. Uh, yeah, and there's a bad guy. Stallone's a good guy. Goes after the bad guy. Ooh. Gets in trouble for going after the bad guy. Yeah. They get Clara. That was all a bit murky, but yeah. Yeah. Jumps out of a helicopter. Yeah. Yeah. He actually did that. Did he? Yeah. He really did that. That would have been a big wedgie. That was, yeah. But he, respect, he did that for realsies. They also blew up that building for realsies. Did they? Yeah. Didn't the person win a competition to push the button? <laughs> really? That's cool. Yeah. That was a building. Um, Downtown? Yeah, they actually blew that building up. It was the old Belknop Hardware and Manufacturing Company in old Louisville, Kentucky. Oh. Blowing real shit up. These days, that would all be CGI. That would be a CGI slide jumping out of a CGI helicopter with a CGI gun. How did he jump CGI out of a helicopter? He didn't actually do that. He did. That was like, yeah, he, he was bragging about that. But, uh, but where was the bungee? He just like hit the ground. At- no, he was on a rope. It was a rope. Now that was real. Yeah, but but it was such a big jump. There's no way he actually jumped that. Whatever, that. whatever you saw him do, however they stitched shots together, he did. There was no stunt man. Whatever that was, he was doing it. So you touched on a few things there, Greg, in your little uh, beautifully articulated uh, encapsulation of the story of this movie. Again, as I'm uh, approaching realization that I haven't seen this movie. 
and it said 1996 and it looked slightly futuristic and I was like, wait, but when was this made? And it was made in 1993. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't know they were about to go to the future. So at this point I'm like, okay, so somebody in 1993 made a movie set in 1996. That's a very weird specific decision to make. Like why bother? And even at that point, like why even once they do travel to the future, why not just make that 1993? Like, do they really think the three years makes the whole cryogenic thing more believable? Like, yes, I guess. Yeah, is that, I guess that's the thinking. Like, we can't do that now. That's at least three years away, <laughs> that technology. So I wanted this magical journey of realising I haven't seen this movie. I'm like, shot in, uh, set in 1996, that's weird. Oh, no, we're in the future. That's awesome. Wait, this is like a weird sci-fi satire? Okay, this is cool. Wait, Wesley Snipes has blonde hair. I'm listening. This is all great stuff. I had a lot of fun with this movie. I fucking love this movie. Oh. Yeah, I fucking loved it. Yeah. And I alluded to this briefly in last week's episode for Encino Man in which I proposed the question to Greg, if a movie in its agedness holds up as a potential parody of movies of the era, does that count as holding up well? And I think this is one of those a little bit. So, but not to discount it's on its original premise, like on its original merits. I like it as a movie in 1983, but I also think if this this could be released today as a weird throwbacky thing, I really liked it yeah. on so many levels, yeah, so many ingredients. Yeah. It's like action, and and this is actually what a lot of critics say was bad about this movie, trying to do too much. But it was all the things I like, so I'm I'm here for it. It could all be better. It could all be stitched together better. But all of those ingredients I'm into. Like, I love a bit of... You enjoyed uh, watching them coexist. Yeah. and I, But I did, as I was watching it, I'm like, it's missing something. And I've thought about it since, what that missing element is. <clears throat> and while I was just singing the praises of the director, maybe he's an amazing visual artist, but just in terms of working with this subject matter, imagine if it was directed by... Like Paul Verhoeven, Robocop, you know. Total Recall. Total Recall, Starship Troopers. Like he knows how to work the satire. He could have made that mm. sing. That's a good call, Tristan. Yeah, he could have made that sing. So I think Forget that's the missing. Forget your recast, the redirectees. Redirectees, yeah. That would have, that's, that's a perfect film right there, I reckon. Shit. That's a perfect film. Shit. Yeah. I'd buy that for a dollar. I'd buy that for a dollar. What about you? What were your initial thoughts? Broadly good. Yeah. Broadly good. It's funny, uh, as you described that, there was was something I couldn't quite put my finger on. I think you probably articulated it better than than I could, and it was like there was a bunch of stuff that I like, but there was a tonal thing that I think could have been. Yeah. Better, yeah. And you absolutely nailed it because Paul Verhoeven would have like given it the tone that I think, and I'll touch on that in my recasties at the yeah. end. But there was just like a bit of, I think it lacked a bit of punch. And you can do that. Yeah, yeah. You can you have. Can. It can be. It can be grittier done. and yeah. have, and be funnier. Yeah, yeah. Which you, and sci-fi, which are the you know those somehow you can make all those things work. But yeah. I couldn't think of anyone else that can. But. That's exactly. That's you're right. Well done. To you. Yay! <laughs> yeah, I'm really impressed with that. So I don't I don't have a heap to add. I think it is interesting when you look at the career trajectories of who's in it. Yeah. You know, like if you're looking at Stallone and, and Snipes, they're pretty they're pretty peak in their careers. Yeah. Like Snipes is wedged pretty much between Passenger 57, yeah, you'd already made, and like Drop Zone and Drop Zone, sort of sweet. Like Blade came later, but that was a Blade was quite late in his career. He's such an interesting one, isn't he? Because he was huge, he was huge for us. Because like White Man Can't Jump, this even Drop Zone was actually came at the right time for me. I saw that in cinemas. Like, oh yeah, I was, I'm looking forward to doing Drop Zone. Yeah, because Passenger 57 was amazing. Was always, Drop Zone always bet on Black. is Drop Zone a <clears throat> Point Break sequel? No. No, no. Okay. It's just its own. I feel like I heard that when I was a kid. They were just, they were it's based, the same formula. formula. Anyway, if anything, this is a bit of a comeback for Stallone because, well, this year was a bit of a yeah, comeback for Stallone. He's was. coming off Stop on my Mom Shooting and that kind of shit. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. He made a few duds. I think Stallone actually went off the boil after this. Yeah. So he he was teetering a bit and then Judge Dredd was after this and then, then he went pretty quiet. Oh, is that? Yeah, okay. And he struggled for a bit. And then I think it wasn't until like the new Rocky. Ooh. Yeah, I think they sort of got him back. No, up. Copland. Yeah. That, that was a quiet achiever. That, that didn't was, really. Yeah. That was, that was under the radar. Yeah. And he had ants. Get Carter was a stinker. Driven I don't think was much good. So that, yeah, so it was interesting to see those guys in their prime. It must have been a blockbuster at the time. like, Yeah. Yeah, well, it was number 12. And I would say, because we always do global box office, I would say in the US it was probably higher than 12 because, you know, it's quite an American thing. And then you've got Sandra, and she was earlier in her career than I realised from this movie. She yeah. was pre-speed. Yeah, I was a big fan of Sandra, but look at this movie. This time around? Yeah. I know you may have issues with that. Well, it, <sighs> I was a huge fan on many levels. She's wearing some kind of pant. I mean, she could have grown out her eyebrows a little bit more, but yeah, they, I think, was that supposed to be a futuristic thing or was that in fashion then? I think then? it was in fashion then because Carol, yeah. Carol made a comment. That was a thing yeah, for a while. Eyebrows. But you know what's weird? Because um, we follow, uh, especially on our Double Impact Instagram, can't follow us on that Double Impact Podcast. Uh, we follow a lot of nineties uh, Instagrammies, uh-huh. and uh, I was there was some Winona writer ones that popped up the other day, and I noticed because I just watched this, she had full bushy eyebrows back when that wasn't cool, and that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Friend of the show, how cool Winona is that? Ryder. I love Winona Ryder. She's so cool. She's never not been cool. She's so cool. Anyway, but I loved her stupid one-liners. How she was getting, she's trying to like know the lingo of back of the day and she's getting it all wrong. Like, there's yeah. a new shepherd in town. Let's go blow this guy. I yeah, love it. I didn't get into I that. I loved it. And I don't know how much but it, was, it was. Oh, but I would have hated it on another person. This is the thing. I can see why you don't like it. And if it was another actor, I probably would have been like, ugh. I don't know how much she, of it was Carol telling me. She brought I watched it with Carol and she kept whinging to me. About so. the eyebrows? No, about the, the bullock. Ah, I, so this, I think I mentioned this on the net. I don't have any issues with Bullock, but I've never been particularly a Bullock fan. The net and this is making me really like Bullock a lot. I'm a, I'm a, I love Bullock. She's, she's great. This was great. She's, I say right now, she's my MVP. I'll, I know we'll speak to that later, but I was, I'm all about it on every level. Yeah, right. Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But they didn't play it up too much, which was nice. That's the thing. She wasn't overly sexualized. No. And then when you thought they were about to, obviously there's that whole plot twist of sex in the future is just uh, Oculus Rift and a towel. Mm. It took me a while to understand what was going on there. I thought he was having flashbacks to his wife or something because I think I was expecting more of him because he woke up and was really sad that his wife was dead and then the same day he was about to bang Sandra Bullock. <laughs> <laughs> He really managed like, to. Wait, me, my wife is dead. Oh my god, what's happening? Yeah. Oh yeah, I'll have sex with you. My daughter's somewhere. Okay, let me focus. Yeah. Ah, his daughter. You know that was in uh, the original cut. His daughter in the future was part of the story. Mm. And they cut it. They just mentioned it and didn't elaborate. You know what? I, I had to tell you, Greg. I do have a couple of gripes with this movie. <clears throat> Maybe five gripes. First, are you telling me this is a world? If you kill many, many people, in fact, blow up a building, killing many hostages, that your punishment is time travel. Is that what you're telling me, Greg? I believe so. And some skills. Yeah. Along the way. Yeah, seamstress. Oh, it might be a seamstress. That's the kind of second career I'd be into. I would love to be able to knit. But I don't want to just gloss over that previous point, Greg. You commit murder, a massacre, and your punishment is time travel. Now, let's talk about the prison system, Greg. The prison system is designed, there's a few factors involved. Rehabilitation, I guess you could argue that, I guess you could argue that what they do to them while they're cryogenically frozen is rehabilitation. Um, Removal from society, I guess they're doing that. As I'm talking through this, this sort of makes sense. But the big one that I think, (laughs) (laughs) deterrence, that's a big part of the, the penal system, uh, penal, is, is deterrence. Mm. And what, what is deterrent about committing a crime, waking up in the future with great job skills 
This is great. Interesting. It doesn't, there's no, yeah, what do you mean? Interesting. Even if they didn't tamper with Wesley Snipes' little ice cube, Ooh, he would have. <laughs> oh, you're going down something else there. <laughs> Even if they didn't tamper with his little uh, ice cube, he would have woken up in the future, gotten a great job, maybe as a seamstress, maybe a delivery boy, uh, maybe managing the New York LA- Nets. I was going to say LA Clippers. <laughs> um, the other part, the other gripe I have with this is uh, the seashells. Ah, the seashells. The seashells. You can't talk about Demolition Man without talking about the seashells. Now, it's both a gripe and uh, I'm a fan. I like the absurdity. Do you want to tell our listener what you're talking about? Okay, so it's a refresher if they haven't watched the movie. Little refresher. There's an important part of this movie where Stallone takes a shit, and he he comes out and he says, "I couldn't find any toilet paper," and they were like, "Ha ha ha! Toilet paper! How primitive! Ha 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 ha!" It was only saw the three seashells, and they're like, "Oh, he didn't know what to do with the seashells! Ha ha ha! How primitive! Ha ha ha!" Now. I know there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there about what the seashells are for. There's 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 talk of pinching the stool, chopsticking the stool, and and uh, with two seashells and and one seashell for a final scoop and scrape. Now, to me, a there's a lot of friction. B, how are you w- washing these seashells for the next person? C, <laughs> there's a lot of margin for leftover. Uh, Seashells are, have crevices and shapes that are, they're not going to contour to the anal uh, cavity, cavity uh, and and the cheek, the whole cheek region. Uh, these future people, I don't know. Yeah, because that was Stallone's. Apparently, that was Stone Stallone's really explanation. <laughs> that was yeah, that was his explanation. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it doesn't. I think he say it was like, it was his idea. Mm. You know, I've always thought. <laughs> I always thought it would be one about seashells. All right, you pinch it, you scrape it, and you're on your way. Doesn't make any doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense, but it is pretty hilarious that I'm I'm here for it. But they do make a good point, Greg, because there hasn't been a lot of innovation in toilet paper, and I think we've heard this before. Friend of the show, George Costanza, talks about this. Do you realize that toilet paper has not changed in my lifetime? It's just paper on a cardboard roll. That's it. And in 10,000 years, it will still be exactly the same because really, what else can they do? That's true. There really has been no development in toilet paper. And I mean, everything else has changed. (laughs) But toilet paper is exactly the same and will be so until we're dead. As I think about this, this may have been the same year. Oh. Could have been, 93. No reason to say it's not. I feel like there was a lot of conversation about the progression and evolution of toilet paper in 93 that just never really got off the ground. There's a lot of talk about those Japanese toilets now that squirt you right in the tukus. My friend bought one. I'm a fan. I want to get one. I used it in Japan and you never felt so clean. He went to Japan and... Why would you do it any other way after you go there? It was like a 10 grand toilet. Yeah. Sometimes they've got a little music button to it if you're shy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um... So this movie, there's a few ingredients going on here. And as I said, a few unexpected ingredients for me. And the first of which is the sci-fi element. Now, the you went, we both went through the uh, higher school education system in Australia. Did right. you study Brave New World? I did not. In English. So Brave New World is a classic science fiction book. I think it was a movie I saw, at some point. I started looking for Ella Brandy. Oh, yeah, you were that year. My point is there's a lot in common with this book and this movie, and that's it's not a secret. Uh, I think that's pretty commonly known. Uh, it was on the Wikipedia page, but it is interesting, uh, and it is a knowing nod. There's no, they're not holding any secrets here. Lenina Huxley is the name of Sandra Bullock's character. Lenina was a main character in Brave New World, and Aldous Huxley wrote Brave New World. So this is an explicit shout-out within the text of the movie. Now That's nice. It is nice. And the book itself was all about sort of this um, future utopia where you have predetermined roles, 
Um, you weren't supposed to show emotion. Like a lot of the same themes are covered. Be well. Be well. It's that kind of vibe to it. More of a class system and a few other things going on, but that those elements are very similar, which is re- which is really interesting. An element they didn't quite have in Brave New World, as far as I'm aware. The satire side of it, I think I was texting you as I was watching this. It, it reminded me of it. It felt a bit like a South Park episode. You know when they do those weird future ones and it's like atheist wars and all those kinds of weird uh-huh. things and it's so over the top and I felt like there was some interesting comments being made about society that was kind of cool. Like that part where uh-huh. where Wesley's waiting for that guy to get out of the phone booth and he's, you know, getting that robot's talking to him about feeling good. Yeah, yeah. Like that, you are powerful. Yeah. Strong. And and on that too it had kind of notes of Futurama as well. Like all of these ingredients, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. This is fun. It's really cool. And so Yeah, they had they did inject enough little moments that Probably, you know, they didn't need to. Yeah. It was a fun little take on. Actually funny. Like they um, like they jammed over fun things that would happen in the future and then wrote them down and then. Yeah. Like if, okay, if this played out, what would that look like? Yeah. And you would get fined for swearing and all that was pretty cool. Uh, opposite to that is, is I feel I, I was a little concerned that perhaps you had tricked me into watching a Rob Schneider movie. But I think oh. we can all agree perhaps one of the funnier Rob Schneider movies. Yeah. And he's in it for the right amount. Yeah. Right. Not much. Just a weird little guy. Um, so yeah, like that pack plus satire plus sci-fi. Yeah. That's fucking cool. I also thought it was, um, interesting looking at their version of the future and, and where we are today. Cause the other part that I really liked, which is not, maybe not necessarily how cars look today, but I really like the cars. Didn't the cars look cool? I didn't pay too much attention. You they were fucking cool. And I looked it up today. GM. Um, gave them a bunch of concept cars to work ah. with. Yeah, and so one of them was a one-of-a-kind, what was it called, Ultralight or something, General Motors Ultralight, which they remade with fiberglass as like a prop for other cars but because there was only one real one. But um, there were actual concept cars from General Motors. So this car was a big deal. It was a, the General Motors Ultralight, and it was a concept car from, I guess, 93? The search for better automobile fuel efficiency in a practical, marketable, and even beautiful package took a giant step forward in 1992. With the introduction of GM's new Ultralight vehicle at the North American International Auto Show in Detroit. Ultralight is not only an evolution in cutting-edge technology, it's a revolution in the way the auto industry will think about fuel efficiency in the future. It required dramatic new thinking and demonstrates GM's ability to lead the way. So the car you saw in that movie, the police car, the main car they were using, that was a real functioning car, technically speaking. And it it makes me think of a few things about this movie that actually they got kind of right for a movie that's dismissed as, Mm. you know, a shitty version of sci-fi. Like we saw the rating, 63%. They've predicted some real shit. Those cars don't look like cars don't look like that now. Cars don't look like that anymore. It was more of a segue, Greg. Yeah, (laughs) that's fine. Um, It was a weak segue. There are a few things that this movie gets right. I mean, a I think the cars look cool. Whether or not they're how the cars are now, that's fine. But wouldn't you say there are some ingredients there that they seem to get quite right? Go on. The Schwarzenegger Library. Oh, named after President, President Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger. Ten years later, Schwarzenegger would become governor of California, and many politicians would be rallying to make naturally naturalized citizens eligible for presidency. Yeah, the Arnold. Yeah, the Arnold Schwarzenegger. Interesting. There's that's my first case. Um, second, cars with GPS happened. Ooh. Third, automated driving. Automated. Vehicles, autonomous vehicles, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I knew it was there somewhere. Video calls on an iPad-looking thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is ninety-three, man. That was yeah, the video call, the video conferencing, and the yeah, Dennis Rodman's haircut. So Dennis Rodman's haircut was inspired by Phoenix. Carol thought the opposite. She was watching this going, oh, why do they go for a Rodman thing? It's interesting, right? Because when I read that, I was like, that's not true. But it syncs up apparently. Like the, 
He didn't start dyeing his hair until he. Yeah, no, he he admittedly stole the look. Good on him. So, uh, Snipes hated the look. Yeah, shaved his head immediately after. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, so the fast food wars. So we touched on it before. For Americans, Taco Bell won the fast food wars. For the rest of the world, it was CGI'd and dubbed to be Pizza Hut. So while that didn't quite happen, the idea of the gourmetification of fast food has sort of happened, right? You right. got You got the more premium um, McDonald's happening. It, actually, what's killing Taco Bell is Chipotle. That trend is kind of happening. Um, was. Was happening. The music thing, while I thought that was great from a satirical point of view that, that ad jingles were popular music, that didn't quite uh, come to pass. But sort of a, a version of that, I think, which you could argue is relatively on point there, is that most music videos now have fucking Beats by Dre in them or Ciroc Vodka. <laughs> That's that's almost a thing. True. So true. so maybe ads didn't become music, but music became ads. Wow. So there are there are some things in there. Like this movie is dismissed, right? Like this movie doesn't get the respect it deserves. I think in many ways, this movie got a lot right. I would say. Mm. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, Wesley Snipes was big into this role. He's quite a, a little guy. Yeah. I didn't realise. What, did he look little to you then? No, I just looked up uh, when we're doing this because he was so eye to eye with Stallone in the ad. I was like, oh, I bet he's heaps taller than Stallone. I'm like, whoa, he's actually shorter. But he played this role beautifully. I enjoyed it. The man can kick. He can kick. I didn't, I wasn't expecting that. I mean, I know he's done Blade and I I know he's like done action movies, but I didn't realise he was actually a skilled martial artist. Like, he's a black belt. What's his thing? I think he might be a karate guy. Karate guy, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Um, I think so. I got a couple of. um, Yeah, he looks like a karate guy. Yeah. I got a couple of conflicting stories from the set around his uh, skills. So, not not from a martial arts point of view, I think he's definitely got it because the man can kick. I've seen him kick. But (laughs) one, one little bit of internet trivia I read was like he moved so fast that they had to slow it down so the camera could see it. Oh yeah, it sounds like it sounds like a schoolyard thing, um, which may be true. Maybe that's a standard thing. That's I don't, not. I don't yeah, know. I think it's that's not, not uncommon. For, yeah, it's not uncommon. Well, uh, in contrast to that, interestingly, Dennis Leary <laughs> says that Wesley Snipes insisted on doing his own stunts, and so they let him. But then when he left the set, they reshot it with a stuntman. <laughs> not not the fight scenes necessarily, but yeah. just more the bigger stunts. I thought that was pretty hilarious. But Greg, you know what they say about Dennis Leary? He's an asshole. Which is hilarious because this his whole fucking rant in this movie is like from the asshole song. Correct. Yeah. Actually, actually. Actually. So Thank you for capturing this. Exhibit A, this is this is the rant. I guess you weren't part of the cocktail plan. Greed? Deception, abuse of power, that's no plan. That's why everybody's down here? You got that right. See, according to Cocteau's plan, I'm the enemy. Because I like to think. I like to read. I'm into freedom of speech and freedom of choice. I'm the kind of guy who likes to sit in a greasy spoon and wonder, gee, should I have the T-bone steak or the jumbo rack of barbecue ribs with the side order of gravy fries? I want high cholesterol. I want to eat bacon and butter and buckets of cheese, okay? I want to smoke a Cuban cigar the size of Cincinnati in a non-smoke exception. I want to run through the streets naked with green jello all over my body reading Playboy magazine. Why? Because I suddenly might feel the need to, okay, pal? I've seen this. Do you know what it is? It's a 47-year-old virgin sitting around in his beige pajamas drinking a banana broccoli shake singing, I'm an Oscar Mayer wee. So that's his rant. The asshole song, if you're familiar with it, uh, Greg, you're familiar with it. I'm with a Cuban with cigar. This song was a big That's deal. A liberal. Yeah, my sister came home with this CD single, and I was like, "What do you mean it's called asshole?" Wait, yeah. he sings it? What? I couldn't believe this was a song. This is the song for those who are not familiar. Folks, I'd like to sing a song about the American dream, about me, about you. About the way our American hearts beat way down in the bottom of our chests. Hey, 
57 Cadillac Eldorado convertible. Hot pink with a whale skin hubcaps and all leather cow interior and big brown baby seal eyes for headlights. Yeah! And I'm gonna drive around in that baby at 115 miles per hour, getting one mile per gallon, sucking down quarter pounds. So you get the idea. It's a very ranty song, and not dissimilar to his rant in Demolition Man. But just to fully close out this equation, I took a stab at making a very rudimentary Demolition Man remix of Asshole. <laughs> just a few little few little snippets to, to really prove out the point that his rant in this movie is essentially averse to Asshole. I guess you weren't part of the cocktail plan. Greed? Deception, abuse of power, that's no plan. Folks, I'd like to sing a song about the American dream. See, according to Cocteau's plan, I'm the enemy, because I like to think. Freedom of speech and freedom of choice. I'm the kind of guy who likes to sit in a juicy spoon and wonder, gee, should I have the Tico steak or the jumbo rack of barbecue ribs with a side order of gravy fries? I want high cholesterol. I want to eat bacon and butter and buckets of cheese, okay? I want to smoke a Cuban cigar the size of Cincinnati in a non-smoking section. I want to run through the streets naked with green jello all over my body reading Playboy magazine. Why? Because I suddenly might feel the need to, okay, pal? I've seen this, but you know what it is? It's a 47-year-old virgin sitting around in his beige pajamas drinking a banana broccoli shake singing, I'm an Oscar Mayer wing. And I'm proud of it. I think it checks out, right? I think that's uh, pretty outstanding. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I got the combo there. (laughs) The wow and the cheer. Apparently, once he got cast, they kind of let him just be Dennis Leary (laughs) and let him rant and shit. Um, Got any recast is Greg? Well, yeah, I think uh, I think no disrespect to the performances of our talent. Yes, absolutely. I, I think John and Simon, Spartan and Phoenix. Yeah, Spartan and Phoenix. Really when you say John and Simon, she <laughs> doesn't have the same ring. It to sounds it. like a couple on the block. Yeah, <laughs> they've really gone all Simon, out with the yeah. surnames, yeah. but the first names are fairly pedestrian. Yeah, especially Simon. <laughs> No offence to our Simon listeners. Yeah. But I feel like you could put anyone into those roles. Yeah. Like Spartan could be Brad Pitt or, it, or it could be Michael B. Jordan. You know, like it doesn't – you could kind of oh, have a mix there. Oh, okay. Uh, but I think I would take Brad Pitt and then just to keep the names on check for Phoenix, I'm going to go Chris Pratt. Whoa, Okay. Like, I would like to see him as a bad guy, actually. I think he could do it. Because he's got the humour and charisma to be a bit of a crazy guy. Yeah, and I think this role... Like, he could be a psycho, actually. Yeah, I think this role has got a nice little vehicle for that. And it would be conflicting because he's so likeable. A bit like Wesley Snipes is in this. Mm. I didn't... You don't want him to lose, really. Yeah. You're like, yeah, this guy is hilarious. But... Um, Interesting. You're not going to like this. Okay. Uh, for... Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. Because uh, I did try to steer it away from the character that you loved. Oh, okay. I did want to see this one uh, a little bit grittier because I, there was a, as I said earlier in the piece, there was a tonal thing for this film. Yeah, and I love your, I love your suggestion of a Verhoeven. Mm-hmm. So I would like to see this girl a bit edgier. Um, so maybe like a Zoe Kravitz type. Ooh. or even like a Mila Jovovich or just someone a bit edgier. Laurie Petty. Oh, yeah, Miller would have been good back in the day, actually, too. Good recasters. I like that. I like that a lot. See what I asked? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I didn't use any words there. I just said, made a few sounds. Uh, okay, let's get into the verdict. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for, huh? Say what again. Say what again. I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. What you got, Greg? 
Uh, yeah, I, I rewatched this. I so I saw it for the first time two weeks ago. I watched it again a week ago, and I'm wouldn't mind watching it again this weekend. I really fucking really? liked yeah, it. Yeah, you liked it more than I me. I really liked it. Maybe it's just the freshness of it to me because I hadn't seen it. A bit like when we did um, uh, Wrong Bet, Lionheart, and I hadn't seen it. I just – it's like finding a new flavor of ice cream you never tried or something. It's like, yeah. oh, I didn't know this existed. Academia. Yeah. There you go. Um so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm in. This is a rewatch for me, one hundred. Yeah, I'd say yeah. This movie is really close to being great. This is where I was going to unleash my Paul Verhoeven idea, but yeah, that's that's like that would be my retake on it. But um, Sandra Bullock would be my MVP. Wow, we really came at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. differently. In her leggings are my MVP. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I was searching because I wanted to look up her quotes today, and I, I wrote in Sandra Bullock. Demolition Man, and the prediction was tights or leggings oh, or something. Oh, no. Yeah, so it That's seems terrible. to be a popular choice. Um, all right, well, that was what we thought. What did you think? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Hit us up on the socials, Double Impact Podcast on Instagram, doubleimpactpodcast at gmail.com. If you're liking our show, if, if you're a friend of the show and you want us to, you want other friends of the show to find us, Tell them about it. Tell them about it. Leave us a review. Tell them the number, son. Leave us a review. It would mean a lot to us. Thank you very much and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.